People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk family with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm. Join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or on our website to hear us three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And also follow us on Facebook. And if you want to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our soon-to-launch YouTube channel, and now on with this week's show. All right, thanks for checking in to the Brothers Talk family den, kitchen, barbershop, backyard, corner, or wherever you hold your relevant conversations to spur your critical thinking and activism around support for the Black community. Critical thinking is the most important activity we can take as a Black community, and we need to stop relying on others to reason for us and exercise our God-given brains like they were intended. And remember, we're in the third year of our relaunching Black Wall Street nationwide campaign that we're seeing some real progress within the number of Black-owned businesses and support, but we can do even better on both fronts. So during this official designation of Black History Month, Let's ramp up our efforts to encourage those with dreams to start their own businesses and then support them with our dollars and our mouths. Let's buy Black and remember we can do this one household at a time. We must remain committed to creating more Black wealth and self-sufficiency in our communities and not let petty differences get in the way. Now, I can't say this strongly enough. There are some hurdles to getting this done, but we won't get there if we keep divided over whether or not it's the white power structure that holds us back or whether we get in our own way as a people. Both things can be and are true. So instead of debating with each other and being stuck in neutral, let's double down our efforts and commit to doing what we have to do to navigate the playing field and do what we have to get ourselves out of last place in the stadium that we built for free. Welcome as always to our first time listeners Glad you joined us, and we look forward to you becoming longtime listeners and spreading the word about us and what we're doing. And just when you think the COVID pandemic situation couldn't get any weirder, you understand the reason why you simply cannot challenge stupidity. So even though mask mandates are being lifted all around the country, with many states announcing dates in the not-too-distant future, despite the CDC and the majority of the scientific medical community advising against it, You've got the anti-masking brigade of sheer ignorance arguing that a few more days isn't going to make a difference and demanding that the mandates be removed right now. So let's put this in perspective. Despite the conspiracy and fraudulent claims by those who keep making up counterclaims based on nothing but junk science nutcases at best, there's tons of credible evidence backed up by ongoing research that the facts are that we're over two years into this most deadly plague that's on the way to killing over a million people in this country alone, where we currently lead the world with over 925,000 dead, and where there are nearly 6 million people who have perished worldwide. We've seen two things that are abundantly clear. One, the vaccines do work in mitigating the effects of the disease, keeping those infected out of the hospital and out of the morgue. And two, Masks most definitely work to curtail the contagion. So it's against this backdrop that we've seen that every day the vaccine and masks are reducing the spread and effects of the coronavirus. We've got people arguing that not only after two full years, 
they aren't willing to wait another day, but that they want their mostly unvaccinated kids who are not noted for their adherence to safety protocols in the first place to be allowed to go maskless. One more time, the masks work. They've been working for almost two full years, but they can't wait another day. And the main reason they give has absolutely nothing, zero, to do with safety, but it's because somehow the mask is damaging little Buffy and Chad's psyche. No evidence, no way to even measure it, but some nut somewhere giving in to the whining of their child has decided that it must be so, and thousands of sheep have followed suit. Remember, first it was that they couldn't breathe through the mask, but that was quickly disproven, so they came up with this nonsense that basically can't be disproven because it has no basis for fact in the first place. Come on, people. I'm of a mind to believe that the CDC may need to do another study about the pandemic's effect on critical thinking and logic. And now to my brother in the struggle for critical thinking, Norm, because Scott's on hiatus this week. Thanks, Rod. And those were great words, man. And uh, the community, I'm sure, appreciates them as much as I do. We need you. We need you healthy. We need you to step forward. Remember, we're going forward, not back. On today's episode, we want to discuss a sparsely covered subject related to our history, particularly since this the month set aside in this country to focus on all things Black. We're going to look at the impact of comedy and message music as they've literally kept us sane and surviving in the face of unspeakable horrors from the beginning of this 403-year odyssey as strangers in a strange land. For this, another topic that we, your brothers, are bringing to your attention We've got longtime listener Mac Rice as our guest. Mac is an expert financial professional with over 30 years experience providing a full slate of services to everyone from individuals to multinational corporations and nonprofit organizations. He's the founder and managing partner of North Star Risk Solutions Group, delivering their clients tailored optimal financial services one-on-one. His long-established community and social activism has included Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, Syracuse University, African-American and Latino alumni, En-ROADS, National African-American Insurance Association, 100 Black Men of New Jersey, Fountain Baptist Church, Jack and Jill, Fathers Auxiliary, Friends of Plainfield Public Library, and Union County Community College Close the Gap. Mac, you know how we do when a member of the family comes into the room. The first thing you do is say, hey to everyone. So here you are, and it's time to greet our family. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of you guys, so look forward to the conversation. So, Mac, you and I have shared a love of comedy and Black comedians as well as Black music. And as one who's active in the community on many fronts, let's begin with how we've managed to use laughter as a tool to cope with the most horrendous of circumstances. We're not going to try to go all the way back to the enslavement period, but we can definitely talk about the great wits of those like Red Fox, Dick Gregory, Richard Pryor, and even Bill Cosby as to what their comedy meant to helping our community come to grips with the most savage racism. What are some of your earliest recollections of how Black comedy intertwined with social activism? Well, I've always kind of said to myself, things that don't make you cry, hopefully they can make you laugh. If you look back at our history in the 1830s, when the minstrel shows first got started, these were white men dressed up in blackface to pretty much degradate the black communities. In the 1860s, black folks began doing their own minstrel shows, going around the country, performing, 
And we got from that some of our greatest early entertainers like QB Blake, Step and Fetch It. Uh, they began to use that platform to actually produce their own shows, create their own stars. Time goes by, we then go through the, the stock market crash. Amos and Andy was a TV show that was used to help ease the pain of the white suffering using black comedy to heal America. So again, black comedy, black culture, around that same time, like in the 1930s and 40s, men like Dick Gregory were born and uh, Richard Pryor, born in the 1940s in a segregated country. In the 1960s, they're now our TV stars. They're now being positive images on TV and shows. So they've kind of taken that platform to almost parody. That's what we now celebrate and teach and educate folks about the Black community. In many cases, our, our Black superiority as well. Uh, Mr. Rice, uh, I've mentioned several organizations that you work with. Could you just explain how your social activism has had an impact on these organizations and the community? You look at these organizations, some having social impact, some educational, some of them are community related. So it's a very diverse group. I think it's all about helping Black folks do better, helping our families do better, helping our kids do better, showing the world positive images, positive outcomes. So that's where I think is uh, what we try to do. You know, that's an interesting um, question, Norm raised, and, and your answer, Mac, because activism has been a mainstay in our communities just due to the nature of what we have to go through. And certainly comedy and music have continued to be at the forefront of that process through the comedians and the musicians and songs that they created. Obviously, one of the things that tends to be timeless is comedy. And so, you know, over the years, we have a number of comedians who are still out there as well as a lot of younger comedians. And so what people laughed at is kind of a, a an, an interesting sort of intersection. Um, you know, it's funny how we had a few years ago, the, a lot of the younger generation now considers like Eddie Murphy, like the greatest comedian of all time. And it's simply because obviously, in my opinion, they were never really exposed to Richard Pryor in his prime. But the bottom line is those guys that we mentioned before, you know, Red Fox, Dick Gregory, Cosby, and Pryor are really kind of the foundational guys for a lot of the comedians that are out there today. And so even when you listen to a number of these guys, you can certainly see that they recognize how Comedy could ease the pain, um, could help people to cope with a lot of the indignities that they had to deal with. And so to your other point, you know, we've always had to be able to laugh to keep from crying. Eddie Murphy is a great comedian, but he stands on the shoulders of Richard Pryor. If you look at Richard Pryor's show, how he deals with racism, how he deals with violence, how he deals with uh, relationships. It's amazing stuff. Uh, now we have uh, Dave Chappelle. We've got Chris Rock. It's amazing how these guys can use comedy to tell the truth. Sometimes very painful, sometimes even by ourselves. But they use comedy to, to tell the truth. We often don't recall what people say to us, but we know how, how they made us feel. So oftentimes there is truth in comedy. You know, we had Deaf Comedy Jam that launched many careers in Black comedy. Why don't we have anything like that today? I think now it's a little different. I think we now have shows like the uh, 
the Black Girl Sketch Comedy. Uh, we at one point had um, Kenny Ivory Wings doing his show. Uh, you never got Robin Didi. You've got Trevor Noah. Uh, I think things have progressed a bit. Uh, and it's also there's a white audience now. I think some some of this comedy. If you look at some of these comedy specials, when you see the audience, they're mostly white people in these audiences, which amazes me that they're hearing themselves being sometimes parody, poked at, but also learning and sharing their experiences. But I think these things kind of develop. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right, Mac. That when you look at it from the standpoint of simple access, that there are so many more options now for comedians to be featured on. Whereas when Def Jam was out, you know, it was one of like the few options. Another means of dealing with the social issues that have negatively impacted our community on a lot of fronts has always been music. Now we all know about the foundations of music in this country that originated in the enslavement fields, the underground railroad and the black church. But today we want to look at the role of message music like the JBs, you know, James Brown, I'm Black and I'm Proud, Earth, Wind and Fires, Keep Your Head to the Sky, Sly and the Family Stones, Everyday People, and Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, Wake Up Everybody. You know, Mac, what are some of your remembrances about the songs that spoke to your social conscience? Like you said, James Brown and Black and I'm Proud, I remember Sly and the Family Stone, uh, Everyday People, uh, I recall the Backstabbers, uh, I remember very much the 1983 NBA, NBA All-Star game, Marvin Gaye sang the National Anthem. That changed how we see that song in a similar light in 1991 when Houston did the National Anthem for the Super Bowl to actually heal the world after the Saudi Arabia Gulf War. So those things are very much you know, uh, profound in my head. Uh, music is a great healer. We tend to forget that, as you mentioned, Ron, the... The praise shadows in Africa were the first message music people. And that's really the history of rap, in my opinion, as well. Not the guys that are in Brooklyn or Queens where I grew up. The really African roots that we still use in that platform now. These young men, urban rappers, were really young men that were expressing how they feel, what they were living with in their communities. Mr. Rice, what are your thoughts on the African-American community losing control of our artists? And basically, now we have those things that were positive and cultural are now just becoming a destructive force in our community. Well, I think it's, uh, I think they're also in opportunities as well. It used to be in the old days, neither a record deal, they controlled your income, they controlled your share of the business. Now I think it's much more available through technology to actually create your own platforms. You don't need a deal anymore to actually put your content out there, out there in the world. You know, my son does it from his, his, his bedroom, his own studio. So I actually think there are more ways to get, to get your music out there now than, than there was before. And obviously, I think that's a really good development because, you know, our history in music is rife with the stories of our greatest artists who never got the royalties or the credit that they should have received for uh, the creations that they had. You know, we've got that constant cultural appropriation that has come across the, the, the backgrounds. And so the fact that they can actually control their own masters and control their own music today is a great thing because I'm just sitting here thinking about some other of the really great uh, message songs. Like, you know, there's the whole concept album that Marvin Gaye had, you know, what's going on, 
You had uh, Stevie Wonder songs in the key of life. You know, it's just so much seminal music out there that as we were, you know, part of that baby boomer generation that came along and really had that while racism was raging around us with the country trying to come to grips with everything from the death of Dr. King to the initiation of affirmative action. So there was a lot to wrestle with the end of the Vietnam War. And so what would we have done without message music? I think also one of the things I've just learned about recently was the Summer of Soul concert back in 1969. Over a course of six weeks, 200,000 people came to Harlem and heard some of the best entertainers and expressions of our history, our fashion. And why was that lost for 50 years? Why was that lost? That is a great question. And Rod, I just wanted to point something out. You had a great comment. What kind of message music are our young people getting today? You know, I mean, obviously we're not as in tune with it, but we should probably look and see what we can find as some uh, Gen Xers. So, Mac, maybe we'll have to uh, get your son on a, a podcast to have him school us on some of what kind of message music they're using to uh, get themselves prepared yeah. for life. Yeah, because unfortunately, what they write now is not for my ears. Well, great job, Mac, and thanks for joining us today to tee up another conversation that we brothers have and that's good for our people to consider. Before we go, Mac, how can our listeners reach you at North Star for professional financial advice? Uh, I'm easily reached through my email, mricejr at comcast.net. Feel free to call me, 917-601-4799. Again, thanks, Mac, for coming into the Brothers Talk Den and sharing your perspective. In our business Black Spotlight of the Week, as part of an initial $200 million multi-year pledge, Capital One announced that they will commit a next wave of its impact initiative grants to support underserved and underrepresented communities. Capital One is partnering with the Association for Enterprise Opportunity, the AEO, to address the lack of access to capital and resources for Black-owned businesses. This partnership is intended to build the Capital One Business Grant Program, which aims to support Black-owned businesses in building resilient futures by awarding $10,000 grants. Through Capital One's Business Hub, business owners will have access to free resources, insights, and advice. That's putting your money where your mouth is, Capital One, and we appreciate it. So people get out there and apply for those grants. And if you get one, let us know about your experience. So that's a wrap for another program. And God willing, we'll keep our focus on the issues that impact our community and the path to a better future. Don't forget you can follow and communicate with us, sending your comments, questions, and show ideas to the Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Until the next time, as always, we sincerely appreciate your time and interest that we'll never take it or you for granted. And remember, let's do better today because that's all we really have.